From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, SLT versus ALT, a randomized clinical trial. Instead of photocoagulation, uh, which is what argon laser does, uh, with the SLT, you have a selective application of laser into the target chromophore. And then the key is a very short pulse. Now this pulse can heat up uh, melanin granules. With the SLT, it's a three nanosecond pulse. It heats up the melanosomes within cells, cracks them, uh, causes some cellular destruction, but the heat does not dissipate. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Damji declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. Did you know that you can get every episode of As Seen From Here as soon as it comes out and without ever having to visit a website? It's called subscribing, and it's free. Each week, subscribers get As Seen From Here automatically loaded onto their iPods, MP3 players, and computers by using a program called a podcatcher. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the How Do I Listen button. Subscribing only takes a minute. Free podcatchers are available for Windows, Macintosh, and Linux computers. I put links to download an excellent podcatcher on the How Do I Listen page of asseenfromhere.com. Then, within hours of my podcasting an episode, you'll have it too. Laser trabeculoplasty is an important second-line therapy in the management of glaucoma in the United States and Canada. Elsewhere in the world, laser trabeculoplasty is performed as an initial treatment. This important therapy is in transition from the long-established argon laser trabeculoplasty, ALT, to selective laser trabeculoplasty, SLT. But are these therapies really equally efficacious? Are they equally safe? Karim Damji has just published results of a randomized clinical study comparing ALT and SLT, and I'm delighted to welcome him as my guest today. What is the current thinking about how ALT works? As far as we know, uh, with regard to argon laser trabeculoplasty, uh, there are actually a number of hypotheses. Um, One is that there is a mechanical effect caused by the argon laser application to the trabecular meshwork. So, in other words, every time you apply the argon, you get a photocoagulation response with some tissue shrinkage. And then you leave a spot width apart and you apply another spot so that in between the areas of tissue shrinkage, you actually get some pulling uh, in the trabecular meshwork, which could open up intervening spaces or In fact, you could be um, opening up Schlem's canal uh, by pulling uh, inwards and opening up a collapsed Schlem's canal. So that tightening of the trabecular meshwork overall could lead to a mechanical uh, beneficial effect on trabecular outflow. And the other theory is really the cellular or biological theory, if you will, that argon laser stimulates some inflammation in the trabecular meshwork. And as a result, there are cytokines that are released macrophages uh, that are either recruited uh, or, in fact, the trabecular endothelial cells uh, undergo some macrophagic uh, activity. And then, uh, essentially, you get uh, an opening up of uh, Schlem's canal uh, endothelial um, cells, uh, the junctions between them with the cytokines and the macrophagic 
activity uh, engulfs any pigment or debris within the trabecular meshwork, and hence uh, sort of a net flushing out of some of the uh, accumulated debris in the trabecular meshwork uh, in various open angle glaucomas. So um, those are, that's essentially the current thinking. Uh, some people feel there may be some matrix metalloproteinases or collagenases, that type of thing as well, uh, that helps. Um, but nobody's really sure uh, of the mechanism of action, interestingly, uh, even after all these years uh, of using uh, argon laser trabeculoplasty uh, since it was first popularized by Wise and, and Witter in 1979. How does SLT differ from ALT? The key thing here, uh, Josh, is that with SLT, um, the mechanism of action is completely uh, different uh, at a fundamental level of physics. And there's a concept here that um, I like to refer to called selective photothermolysis. So in other words, instead of photocoagulation, uh, which is what argon laser does, uh, with the SLT, you have a selective application of laser um, into the target chromophore. And essentially what you need is a target. In this case, it's melanin within the trabecular meshwork. Um, the target has to absorb laser energy better than the surrounding tissue. And then the key is a very short pulse. And as you know, with argon, it's in the um, millisecond range for ALT, whereas with SLT, it's a three nanosecond pulse. Now this pulse can heat up uh, melanin granules, but the key is that it, uh, the pulse does not exceed uh, what is called the thermal relaxation time. The thermal relaxation time uh, is a concept that sort of defines absolute time required by the melanin to convert electromagnetic energy, if you like, into thermal energy. And uh, melanin has a thermal relaxation time of one microsecond approximately. Um, so that with argon, the melanin is superheated, the heat dissipates to surrounding tissue and you get a coagulation zone. With the SLT, it's a three nanosecond pulse. It heats up the melanosomes within cells, cracks them, uh, causes some cellular destruction, but the heat does not dissipate because the pulse is shorter than the thermal relaxation time. So essentially, you get very little trabecular meshwork damage uh, with SLT. And um, although some, some um, nucleated eye studies seem to indicate a little bit of damage, but by and large, there's very little architectural damage to the meshwork. Um, and you still get a very good pressure-lowering response so that uh, most people feel that there's a biological uh, mechanism or a cellular mechanism at play because really there's virtually no mechanical effect going on. How does the energy transfer to the patient uh, compare between SLT and ALT? Right. Well, when you do um, a calculation to sort of uh, make the energies equivalent, because with argon you've got milliwatts and uh, with um, SLT we're talking uh, millijoules, then essentially we're using 80 to 100 times less energy in total with SLT compared to ALT. Um, so it's uh, phenomenally uh, less energy. You discussed at the start of this interview how ALT might work. How do you think that SLT works from a physiologic standpoint? Right. Um, we don't actually know for sure, but the best evidence we have comes from the work of Jorge Alvarado um, at the University of California, San Francisco. And what he did was essentially um, apply um, SLT to, um, I think there were owl monkey eyes that had, um, had melanin essentially uh, put into the trabecular meshwork. And what he did was treated these um, monkey eyes with SLT and then looked at various cytokines. Um, and what he found was very interesting that there were interleukin-1 
as well as some other cytokines, um, tumor necrosis factor, etc., that were released that actually ended up uh, separating the junctions, uh, tight junctions of Schlem's canal. And at the same time, there were large macrophages that were present that were engulfing pigment. And so Dr. Alvarado, I think, uh, feels that uh, really there's a, a key um, element of macrophagic activity as well as um, the cytokines that are helping to uh, cause the pressure-lowering effect uh, of SLT. And one thing that's interesting about um, SLT, uh, at least in our studies, and, and I think others have found this, is that the fellow eye also tends to come down a little bit in pressure. And uh, this may simply be a regression to the mean phenomenon, uh, but if it's a real phenomenon, and in some cases I think it's real because it's quite a striking effect, uh, Dr. Alvarado speculates that those macrophages that have been excited if you will, by the SLT, circulate through the body and then actually show up in the fellow eye. And he's shown this in the monkey um, eyes because he's labeled these macrophages with a uh, green fluorescent protein and actually through gonioscopy shown fluorescence uh, in the fellow eye. So uh, I think that's fascinating. Uh, may, that may give us uh, an explanation as to why sometimes the fellow eye is affected uh, in terms of pressure lowering. At least in theory, what advantages does SLT hold over ALT? Um, for me, the key is that SLT does not cause um, significant architectural damage to the trabecular meshwork. So in that sit situation, we should have a meshwork that is more intact after treatment. And in theory, uh, one should be able to repeat SLT and continue to get good effect, number one. Number two, if there are new drugs that are invented uh, or new surgical therapies that rely on an intact trabecular meshwork, Perhaps those will work better in the future. Uh, number three, I think it's fascinating that you're using much less energy and uh, getting the same type of effect as ALT. So I think those are the theoretical things, um, and some of those still remain to be proven. But to me, that's the thing that's fascinating uh, with regard to SLT and the promise that it holds out. Which types of glaucoma respond best to ALT and SLT? I think... Um, with regard to argon laser trabeculoplasty, uh, what's known from the literature is that it works best on open angle glaucoma um, and especially pseudoexfoliation glaucoma, pigmentary glaucoma, those with a heavy degree of trabecular meshwork pigmentation. It also tends to work uh, reasonably well in low tension glaucoma. Uh, but once you have a secondary glaucoma other than the ones I've mentioned, so for example, uveitis or neovascular glaucoma, traumatic glaucoma, aphakic glaucoma, the effect is far less with argon. And um, in fact, of course, if you have any component of angle closure where the trabecular meshwork is not visible, then it's very difficult to even place the uh, argon uh, laser spots. So uh, in that setting, most people don't even do the uh, treatment. With SLT, um, I haven't seen rigorous studies that have actually looked at the same uh, categories of patients. But uh, through our study, um, and anecdotally through other studies as well, it does seem like the best effect is with primary open-angle glaucoma. And there's pretty good effect with pseudoexfoliation and uh, pigmentary glaucoma. Although I think that would be a fascinating study to do, is to take, uh, say, the best prognostic group for ALT, the pseudoexfoliation patients, as an example, and then randomize to either uh, doing uh, ALT or SLT. Because we don't really know in that group which, uh, which laser is better. Um, glaucoma suspects, I think both lasers seem to work very well. Again, there's no head-to-head -head comparison there that I've seen, but, but again, uh, both lasers work well. The other thing is that if a patient starts at a higher intraocular pressure level, 
the higher the pressure you start at, the more response you seem to get with both of these lasers. And uh, that's been shown uh, in our study as well as uh, in some studies with ALT. Can I have you describe the design of your study? Sure. Essentially, uh, what we did was set out to do a randomized uh, control trial because uh, when SLT started to come out uh, and Mark Latina and others were using it uh, and published uh, you know, their seminal paper in ophthalmology uh, oh, almost 10 years ago now, um, we felt that there was no um, comparative study to what was then the gold standard, which was the argon laser uh, trabeculoplasty. So we set out to design a study which basically looked at patients uh, who were over 18 years of age. Uh, most of them were older patients who had two-sided eyes um, and who had open-angle glaucoma that, that was uncontrolled on maximal medical therapy. Because most people tended to use laser trabeculoplasty in that setting. Uh, in those days, and I'm talking about 1998 when we initiated our study. So these were patients who were multiple drops, the pressure was not controlled, and the next step would have been essentially um, trabeculectomy. Um, we did look at uh, making the trial generalizable, so we tried to include patients uh, with pigmentary and pseudoexfoliation, as well as previous uh, argon laser trabeculoplasty. Um, but we excluded patients who had sort of other secondary glaucomas or were on systemic uh, prednisone or had corneal disease that could affect uh, intraocular pressure uh, accuracy. And um, essentially, we took these patients and randomized them to receiving either SLT or ALT. And uh, this was generally in one eye, but it could have been uh, in both eyes of some of the patients as well. And uh, we had 176 patients that were randomized. Um, the primary outcome was a drop in pressure from baseline uh, at one year. And the secondary outcome was to look at pressure drops at other time points uh, and then to also follow these patients for a longer period of time. And we looked as well at other secondary outcomes such as anterior chamber reaction at one hour and one week, um, at visual acuity, um, at other adverse uh, events, you know, such as patients who did, did actually go on to valve surgery or trabeculectomy, et cetera. And um, so we looked and collected baseline data uh, on each of these patients and then looked uh, systematically at uh, these various parameters. And uh, it was a rigorous study that received uh, research ethics approval um, at the University of Ottawa and um, done as a proper uh, randomized control trial. What perioperative medications did you use for the two treatments? Perioperative medications included uh, beta blockers, alpha-2 agents, Prostaglandin at that time, Zalatan was the one that was in use uh, primarily here in Canada. So there are a number of patients on Zalatan as well. And uh, a few patients on pilocarpine, not too many. And what was the postoperative regimen? Postoperatively, um, we treated all patients with Predfort, prednisolone uh, acetate 1%, QID for one week. And we also used perioperative um, alpha-GAN uh, or iopidine. So each patient received a uh, drop of 1% iopidine uh, or 0.5% uh, bromonidine um, before and after treatment. How extensive was the laser treatment? The laser treatment was essentially uh, what most people uh, would do for initial treatment, which was 180 degrees of treatment with uh, either the ALT or SLT. We tended to treat the inferior 180 degrees because that's the deepest part of the angle and, uh, in my opinion, the easiest to treat. Uh, although if a patient had had previous laser in that area, then we went ahead and treated the uh, area that was untreated. 
uh, to, in order to complete therapy. The uh, parameters used uh, with uh, argon were a 50 micron spot, 0.1 milliseconds, um, and essentially 400 to 600 milliwatts. And uh, with the SLT, we used the standard spot, uh, which was a 400 micron spot. It had a three nanosecond pulse. And on average, patients received about 0.8 to 0.9 millijoules per pulse. Again, 50 spots were used, uh, as with the argon, to 180 degrees of the trabecular meshwork. Uh, with argon, we tended to leave one spot uh, with a part between treatments. With SLT, because of the large spot, they were contiguous uh, treatment zone. What was the length of follow-up? Well, the primary outcome, as I say, was one year, but we've actually um, followed these patients out to three years now, um, four years, uh, and getting additional data um, all the time. So we do have longer-term data uh, on these patients as well. In terms of the outcome measures, how did you define success? Well, initially, um, we had not set out a definition uh, of success as the primary outcome, but we did actually do a sub-analysis where we looked at a definition of success in terms of at least a 20% drop in intraocular pressure at one year, um, and um, essentially not having a change in medication or a um, additional intervention performed, if you like. So that's um, essentially the definition we used to generate our Kaplan-Meier you know, survival analysis in the paper. Although we've discussed it in other interviews, can I have you describe an intention to treat analysis? Right. Um, essentially, once a patient is randomized to treatment uh, with either SLT or ALT in our, in our study, intention to treat analysis uh, means that, you know, the patients um, are analyzed. So anybody who's randomized is analyzed regardless of subsequent treatment changes or protocol deviations. What were the results of your study? Essentially, uh, very simply put, uh, we found equivalence at one year between argon laser trabeculoplasty and selective laser trabeculoplasty, which at that time, uh, Josh, was very important um, in our early publication in the British Journal in 1999 and subsequently through some interim analysis um, because the FDA in the United States wanted to have a comparative study before they approved the instrument. So in fact, uh, our data was part of the submission uh, to the FDA for approval. Did you look at subgroups like pseudo-exfoliation patients or patients who had previously undergone ALT? We certainly did, um, but the numbers are quite small. So the pseudo-exfoliation uh, group um, was only about 23 patients uh, who received ALT and about 16 who received SLT. And after a year, um, the pressure drop was identical uh, in those patients. Pigmentary glaucoma, we only had about uh, five in the SLT and three in the ALT, and again, um, there was a drop uh, in pressure um, of around three millimeters actually in the pigmentary. In pseudoexfoliation, it was about uh, five and a half millimeters. So because the numbers are small, I hesitate to draw any conclusion except to say that more data is needed, but our initial uh, results look uh, promising uh, in both those groups. Um, I will um, say also that um, in pigmentary glaucoma, we had one patient that I remember very well who actually um, had received SLT and ended up spiking and ended up um, being a very high spike, 40 millimeters of mercury, uh, and the pressure remained high, so we had to take the patient to trabeculectomy. It turned out that even before the trial, um, the other eye had received ALT and the exact same thing had happened. 
And since then, um, we've put a cluster of patients together, um, ourselves and some other investigators, and discovered that in advanced uh, pigmentary glaucoma or in trabecular meshworks that are heavily pigmented, that SLT can actually uh, cause an uh, irreversible um, pressure spike. Um, that may be true of ALT as well, but I'm not sure that's being published uh, as such. So one just has to be careful in that group, and our recommendation is to turn the energy down or to infect and or to do uh, less portion of the trabecular mesh work. My own feeling, just to digress if you don't mind, is that in pigmentary glaucoma, once the disease has been present for a long time, you've lost most of the cells in the trabecular meshwork. There's very few cells left. And then if you go ahead and blast uh, the remaining cells, that it can put the meshwork over the top and cause an intractable pressure rise. So I will treat pigmentary glaucoma patients who are in the early stages of the disease, but uh, I, I generally don't treat very advanced cases. To go back to your question about previous ALT, I think we have to look carefully at that because some of our patients had had 180 degrees of previous uh, ALT, uh, some had had 360 degrees. And here I think we should clarify the terminology because um, my own thinking is, um, and I think Jim Wise would agree with me because we've had some discussions on this, that if you were treated 180 degrees previously, completing 180 degrees is simply completion of therapy or enhancement, if you like. But to be retreating, you really should be retreating um, over a previously treated trabecular meshwork. And so I think the patients that matter most here for the purpose of this discussion is those that had had previous 360 degrees ALT. And then there was actually retreatment that went on with either SLT 180 degrees or ALT 180 degrees. And it was interesting, what we found there, even though the numbers are small again, is um, that patients who had SLT as part of that retreatment had a pressure drop of around seven millimeters of mercury at one year. And patients who had ALT as part of the retreatment had a pressure drop of around four and a half millimeters at one year. But again, it did not reach statistical significance. The numbers are small and uh, it needs to be investigated further, but there certainly was a trend towards SLT doing better. Besides the single patient that you mentioned with the pressure spike who subsequently did a TRAB after SLT, what other adverse events were encountered? Anything that was sort of significant, um, such as trabeculectomy or uh, Ahmed valve uh, surgery in some cases, um, turned out to be a roughly equal number in each group. And uh, we had uh, approximately 7 to 10 uh, such patients in each group uh, by one year. With regard to peripheral anterior synechia formation, um, we only had one patient uh, out of almost 90 in each group uh, develop some PAS, so I think that's pretty low uh, in both groups. Going back to earlier post-operative uh, course, you know, uh, in terms of pressure rise of a, above six millimeters of mercury at one hour, if you define that as a spike, um, we had about a 3.4% uh, incidence in the ALT and about a 4.5% incidence in SLT very low really, less than 5% in both um, and consistent with other studies that have looked at um, perioperative treatment with an alpha-2 agent. If you don't treat, by the way, anecdotally um, with an alpha-2 agent, the uh, incidence of pressure spike is probably around 25% or close to 30%. So I think it is important to treat there. But uh, those were the adverse events and, um, and, and they were equally distributed uh, between the two groups. How do your findings compare with those of prior studies? 
you know, prior to our study, um, there had been some smaller scale studies, um, one prospective study, for example, um, comparing ALT to SLT in 14 eyes, uh, which showed the equivalence. Um, another prospective study as well that had looked at 20 eyes in each group. Um, I don't think those studies randomized patients, but they just did a comparative uh, analysis. And, um, and I think, um, by and large, had a shorter follow-up course of six months or so. So um, other than those uh, prospective studies, uh, the one by Hollow and the one by Martinez uh, de la Casa, the others were really more retrospective um, and looked at uh, large case series and uh, found uh, a similar result uh, with both lasers. So ours was really the first um, true prospective uh, randomized trial that uh, we believe uh, in the literature. You've followed these patients for quite some time since the end of the study. What have you found since then? Have the trends that you saw in the study been borne out? Yeah, what we found um, with regard to the overall group is that um, the pressure lowering has uh, remained remarkably good out to about three years. Uh, we did an interim analysis and presented it uh, at ARVO a few years ago. And, um, you know, even at um, three years, uh, the SLT group had an average pressure lowering uh, with 70 patients uh, of about six, uh, six and a half millimeters, and the same with ALT. Um, and if you define success uh, as percentage of eyes that achieve 20% or more pressure lowering, there's still roughly uh, 60% of patients that uh, had that um, effect uh, out to three years. Another longer-term study, which um, is distinct from ours, uh, has sort of looked uh, out to four or five years and found an attrition rate of around 10% per year, uh, which is similar to uh, what the old studies with ALT had reported. In other words, your initial success at one year is quite high, uh, maybe in the range of 80% or so, but then after that, there's a 10% per year loss uh, of effect. And that seems to be going on with SLT as well, so one just needs to be aware of that. Were there any features that predicted whether a patient would do well with SLT? That's an excellent question. And, you know, other than sort of baseline pressure, in other words, the higher the baseline pressure, the better off um, the drop in pressure, uh, we did not find any other parameters. Uh, and we looked carefully at uh, type of glaucoma, at preoperative medication, including prostaglandin use, which, in fact, at that time, some people thought may adversely affect outcome but didn't seem to in our study. Um, and then um, we looked at degree of angle pigmentation, uh, which in ALT had been found to be a predictor uh, in SLT. Interestingly, uh, it doesn't seem to matter whether you have a light meshwork or a heavily uh, pigmented meshwork. The degree of pressure lowering um, is not uh, cannot be predicted by that. So um, we didn't actually find any other uh, important predictor. Why do you think that the patients in the SLT group demonstrated more of a cellular reaction than the ALT group did? I think it simply has to do with the mechanism of action because what you're doing is um, disrupting melanosomes um, and there's sort of a cavitation effect. And I don't understand the physics myself, but I think simply put, the cells, some of the cells are probably opening up and releasing some of their contents. And um, partly what we're seeing are probably not true cells, but um, some pigment um, being dispersed as well within the anterior chamber uh, because of the way SLT works. So I think um, it would be interesting to sort of um, look, uh, if we could, at what that actually is because my suggestion is that it's probably not all actual full cells but, but particles um, of pigment that are being released. And they disappear very quickly. Within a few days, they're gone. Kareem, what do you do in your own practice now? 
Well, I think there's a few other pieces of information before I can sort of respond to that. One is that, you know, um, SLT is also potentially useful to reduce the burden of medication. Uh, there was a study by Francis uh, and co-authors that showed that uh, you can actually do SLT and then reduce the uh, burden of medication, almost similar to switch, if you like, which some of us are practicing instead of adding uh, drops, um, switching to a different modality. Um, the other piece of information is, you know, that SLT can be used uh, as first-line treatment in some patients. Um, I think there's two studies to support that. One is a study by Nagar and co-authors last year in the British Journal, and then a newer study called the SLT Med Study that um, there was some preliminary data presented at the um, AAO in Las Vegas recently. And uh, both of those studies seem to show that if you um, take patients and randomize them to either zalatan or a similar prostaglandin first, uh, or um, SLT, and we're talking about 360 degrees of SLT treatment, that the uh, pressure-lowering effect um, out to six months, one year, is uh, similar, and uh, very few adverse events. Um, and these are patients who either um, had established glaucoma or in some cases were glaucoma suspects. So I think um, taking all of that data together, um, I feel reasonably comfortable offering SLT to patients uh, for sure who are in trouble and who are already on a number of medications and the pressure's out of control before going on to trabeculectomy. Uh, with the exception maybe of somebody with advanced glaucoma and split fixation uh, on a 10-2 uh, that I'm worried about the pressure spike causing even more damage. Uh, but otherwise, I think with that group, I'm quite comfortable based on our own study. Uh, with the group of patients that has early onset glaucoma or in fact are, are glaucoma suspects on the basis of extremely high intraocular pressure, I'll have a detailed discussion with the patient of the risks and benefits of doing SLT versus starting medication. And uh, I think, you know, patients sort of go um, either way. Um, in my experience, um, about uh, 40 to 50% will opt for SLT and the rest for uh, medication. And, um, and, you know, with the understanding that um, other uh, may need to switch a modality uh, if one doesn't work too well. But I typically am offering SLT a little bit earlier in the course now with a little bit more degree of comfort uh, given uh, the studies that have come out recently. The one thing I, I'm not quite sure about, and uh, we need more data for sure, is the repeatability factor. Is there any clinical role now for ALT? <laughs> That's a great question. And... Um, you know, I was talking to um, Jim Wise, who actually um, put forward the uh, initial paper on uh, ALT, and I think he switched over almost entirely to SLT. <laughs> I actually uh, do ALT maybe once every few months uh, on the rare patient where um, they have pseudo-exfoliation, and I feel more comfortable offering ALT, or if they have an angle that is narrow, and uh, it's hard to get that big spot into the angle because um, you can just treat the anterior trabecular meshwork with the ALT small spots. Uh, those are typically the types of patients that I use ALT. By the way, um, I forgot to mention, but I think with um, SLT, another good uh, group of patients are those that essentially have toxicity to medication or, um, you know, I mean, things like preservative reactions, but also those that have difficulty affording medications or compliance issues with medication uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, this at least gives you confidence that the pressure uh, will get down, hopefully. But also, um, one other thing we need to look at carefully is whether SLT will reduce diurnal fluctuation. 
Uh, we're doing a study uh, to look at that at the moment. We know with ALT it typically does, but with SLT we're not sure. This is a team effort uh, here at the University of Ottawa, and I couldn't have done it without uh, my glaucoma colleagues, Dr. Berman and Dr. Rock, and then also a fellow, Dr. Shah, and um, our epidemiologists, uh, Dr. Hodge, uh, Dr. Uh, Irene Pan, and then uh, Amy Bovell, who's been the study coordinator and the technologist for many of these patients. Thank you very, very much, Kareem. No problem, Josh. Kareem Damji is Program Director at the University of Ottawa Eye Institute at the Ottawa Hospital in Ottawa, Ontario. His paper, Selective Laser Trabeculoplasty versus Argon Laser Trabeculoplasty, results from a one-year randomized clinical trial, appears in the December 2006 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Damji or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young. 